welcome to the onliners. I saw Sister Becky in Illinois. It's good to see her. There's tornadoes. Uh, day before yesterday, I think it was. They were in Illinois and Wisconsin or something like that. So uh, glad she didn't get blown away. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And uh, last uh, week we got our report and uh, all 50 U.S. states and several, what do they call them, U.S. territories, Virgin Islands, Jamaica, Guam, got listeners all over there. And then uh, we have uh, 51 foreign countries listening. So we welcome those who are watching this live and some of you will watch it when you get out of bed. You know, in some parts of the world it's in the middle of the night. Uh, but uh, good to have all of them tuning in. And uh, my folks down in Virginia. And I don't know if any of you have folks uh, watching, but I know Brother Sean's uh, got a sister down there, Jill. Yes. Watching down in Kentucky. And I think there's a family down in Georgia that might be watching today. Yeah, Jenny was on earlier. So uh, you notice it's a little empty. We're going with one band member today for that reason. <laughs> so um, the best undamned band in the land is now down to the best undamned guitarist in the land. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, Jenny is going to have to write a parody about that now. The all balls went to Georgia looking for some souls to steal. <laughs> Charlie Daniels, he's with the Lord now. Oh yeah. Well, let's start with "Rock of Ages," a song I know most of you know. Off to love, if you know. One twenty-six, "Rock of Ages." Page 318. I 
need thee every hour. Father, cause the wonder 
send them by other means and we don't get them until later. So just to FYI there onliners, if you send it to the email address, I can see them when we get them. Morning everybody. Morning Annalene. Oddballs everybody. In the meantime, silence those cell phone ringers. open for the Bible study. We have wonderful fellowship, great coffee, and tea, and other things. The muffin man came today, so we enjoyed that. And uh, a lot of Great fellowship and other reasons to be here, but the main reason is the study of God's Word. Amen? And also, that's behind our, that's the motive behind our uh, support of Bearing Precious Seeds ministry. Every month, we take a collection. This month, we had a total of $300, which is 30 Bibles equivalent, uh, given to support Bearing Precious Seeds. And that brings us our personal uh, local church ministry has donated 2,880 Bibles as of this date. So we want to keep that up till the Lord takes us out of here. Amen? Amen. All right. So let's get started. We'll ask you to hold your questions and comments to the end of the current events update. And as we will do until it's over, the war in Israel. That is today's date, correct? Yes. February 11th. And I believe it's day 128 uh, since the October 7th attacks that began it all. And the Biden administration uh, showing signs of turning against Israel, which will not bid well for our nation. Um, they are 
saying that they will not back expanded IDF operations in Rafa. And um, it says the, the headline there on i24news.com, <coughs> unlike previous conflicts where civilians were urged to seek refuge in southern Gaza, the current situation leaves residents with nowhere to flee. That's because Hamas is hiding among the people. And the only way to get them is to go through the people. And we'll repeat, all they have to do is give up the hostages. And they won't. So all the people you're watching on television and radio and you're hearing them cry about how Israel is so terrible, ask them why they never mentioned those hostages. Yeah. It's now reported that the deceased of the 136 hostages is now as high as 50. And of course Hamas is trying to claim that Israel killed them by with their attacks. Um, that won't be known for years. There'll be investigations, eyewitness testimony, and other things. But with the uh, Rafah invasion looming as of last night, then you had a growing number of nations uh, condemning Israel and turning against them, in addition to the Biden administration. Saudi Arabia warns Israel of very serious repercussions if they go through with the Rafa invasion, and they are, they're going through with it. And uh, Saudi Arabia says a planned Israeli ground invasion of Rafa will cause a humanitarian disaster. Called for immediate ceasefire. They didn't call for an immediate release of the hostages. Egypt warns Israel the Rafa offensive may lead to suspension of their peace treaty with Israel. In other words, that's a threat of war with Egypt. Um, and so when you look at the map, it's expanding. The number of question marks has now expanded as the number of actual fighting and locations of battles going on has expanded. And right now, that is as inflamed as that region has been since the uh, Yom Kippur War. And that was when I was a little baby. I was probably, I'm a, I might have been, I think it was three. 72? Yeah. So uh, when you pray, just have that image in your mind there of what the map looks like and pray that if this is going to blow up, we, we hope and pray it's Gog Magog War. If it's just another war, you know, then... Uh, Biblically, it's it's not going to result in anything that we would hope for. But and you hear people always saying, "You fundamentalists, you're always trying to start the World War Three and get the apocalypse going." And like, we're not trying to start anything. We're just observers, <laughs> and we're you know like kind of cheering it on. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we're not doing anything to instigate it. As a matter of fact, we're kind of self defeating. You know, the things we support in reality would stop it from happening. But we know it's going to happen. We know God's told us to do what we're doing, but we know it's going to happen. You know. So that leads us to a second uh, current events update, and that is what I would call presidential incompetence. Some of you have seen some of this over the last few days. Um, and there was a uh, special counsel to uh, research 
or investigate Joe Biden's uh, illegal use, illegal possession of uh, top secret documents. And they basically said he's guilty, but he's a senile old man, so we're not going to charge him. I don't know if they called her senile. I mean, but with him, they called, they literally said that about him, that he was a uh, nice old man, is one of the words they used for him, but that he uh, just mentally was not competent for trial. Can you imagine that? But he's okay to be president? And Obama's White House doctor, so he's not like a you know, member of the GOP or anything. Uh, he said that special counsel report shows Biden getting worse by the day. So that's what we're dealing with there. Beer brew here. <laughs> it is used to make the brew beer do this. This is not edited. My memory is fine. The president of Mexico, CC, did not want to open up the gate. Solid meeting with, um, with, uh, the, uh, and Mitterrand from Germany, I mean from France, looked at me and said, uh, said, elderly man with a poor memory. I said, I'm going to be a president for everybody, whether you live in a red state or a green state. I, uh, um, anyway, I don't want to, I don't want to. Make it grow, we work. The best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. Of Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah. $159,000,000,000 let. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him in, uh, put, put, uh, um, uh, um, what am I doing here? One, two. well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. The, um... That's reality, and that's how he's really functioning, or lack thereof. He referred to the uh, president of Egypt as the president of Mexico, and as though Gaza is on the border with Mexico. And then Mitterrand in Fran France has been dead for years, so he's talking to dead people over there in France, evidently. And more Democrats are sounding the alarm about senile Joe. This is, uh, I refer to him as an old lady named James Carville. Um, and he says Biden is uh, Biden skipping the Super Bowl interview as a sign. No other way to read this. Uh, for years, the president has done an interview and they show it before the Super Bowl, which I always thought was stupid, but for the president, it's kind of a thing, you know. And for, I guess, two years in a row, Joe hasn't done it. And uh, people are rightfully saying he's incompetent, is what the word is. It's incompetence. Even CNN had to come down on Mr. Biden. This is this is not edited. This is actual a report by CNN. While one thing that President Biden said is basically that he stored the documents in filing cabinets that could be locked. Let's listen. All the stuff that was in my home was in filing cabinets that were either locked or able to be locked. Daniel. 
Just not true, John. Uh, this report from the special counsel includes photos. Those photos include shots of a box uh, just sitting in President Biden's Delaware garage. The special counsel described it as a badly damaged box sitting amid household detritus. So there was some material that was in cabinets, uh, locked or lockable, as the president said, but all of it certainly not. And that open, unsealed damage box included, according to the special counsel, highly sensitive, top-secret material about the war in Afghanistan. Okay, another claim that President Biden made, none of the documents were highly classified. Let's listen. None of it was high classified. Didn't have any of that red stuff on it. You know what I mean? Around the corners? None of that. Daniel? That claim that he didn't have any material that was quote-unquote high classified is also not true, John. This special counsel's report says that the president possessed multiple highly classified documents that were indeed marked as being highly classified documents, including some marked as top secret slash SCI, sensitive compartmented information. That is a very high level of classification. For example, special counsel Her uh, discussed two top secret documents about Afghanistan found in that open unsealed damage box in the garage, one of which Her said contains highly sensitive info about military programs and another that contains info about sensitive intelligence and sources and methods. Now, it's not clear, John, if any of those Biden documents had those colored borders we saw on classified docs that former President Trump had, which I think is what President Biden was referring to uh, when he talked about red around the corners. But still, whatever coloring these documents had, the special counsel says they were clearly marked as highly classified. And then I should add, her also said that investigators' analysis of Biden's own handwritten notes from his time as vice president showed that these notebooks also contained highly classified info, though those were not marked. And her said a sampling of 37 excerpts found that, quote, eight are top secret with sensitive compartmented information, seven of which include information concerning human intelligence sources, plus six others that were top secret. Uh, and then the third claim that he made, Daniel, there was that he did not share classified information with a ghostwriter on a book he was working on. Listen to that. I did not share classified information. I did not share it. With your ghostwriter? With my ghostwriter. I did not. Guarantee you did not. But the special counsel said it. No, I did not say that. Okay. I'll be not say that. So he's entitled to say he didn't do it, he can defend himself, but he also said the special counsel didn't say that he did share that classified info with the ghostwriter. Except, John, the special counsel did say that explicitly. Her wrote, quote, Mr. Biden shared information, including some classified information, from those notebooks with his ghostwriter. So there it is in black and white. Now, her did elaborate that Biden shared classified info with the ghostwriter uh, by reading nearly verbatim from the notebooks on at least three occasions, including notes from meetings in the Situation Room. He did find that Biden, quote, at times tried to avoid sharing classified info, like by skipping over certain material as he was reading them to the ghostwriter. And her did write that the evidence does not show that Biden knew the info was classified. Nonetheless, even though the special counsel did clearly give him some material to defend himself with, this is not a factual defense. So he could cite the factual stuff, you know, her said, didn't know it was intentional, etc. But declaring the special counsel just did not say what he said, John, is not a factual defense. Important to note, Daniel Dale, always great to have you. Thanks so much. Now, why is this important? Well, I don't know if some of you old enough to have been around for a while and listened to prophecy teachers discuss the conditions that will exist at the time of the Antichrist. And it was just a couple
kind of a guesstimate, but a lot of people have said for years, that's the kind of president that would be in power to enable the Antichrist to suck America into the beast system is to have that kind of guy as your president. And I have to warn you, though, there's a lot of talk about uh, using the 25th Amendment to remove him from office. But be careful what you wish for. Today is today. And yesterday was today yesterday. Tomorrow will be today tomorrow. So live today. So the future today will be as the past today as it is tomorrow. Now you can thank me because there was actually another video that went on for three or four minutes like I that. I guess past legal. <laughs> <laughs> the Babylon Bee had the most truthful headline. Kamala Harris found mentally unfit to replace Biden. <laughs> so uh, I think the best scenario is for the election to take place and for Biden not to win. That would be the best scenario. But uh, we'll have to see. Be informed. Pray accordingly. Any comments? Ways have the hand over here, Mary. Real quick, I'm not keeping up with the Israel thing. Rafa, that's southern. Gaza. The southern tip, right on the border with Egypt. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Right. There's speculation that Biden's not going to get to Well, yeah. That's that speculation's been on for a while, and there's a lot of people saying they're going to replace him with Michelle Obama. Or Gavin Newsom. Or Gavin. Yeah. yeah so. That, yeah, Kamala Harris is nothing but uh, Biden's uh, insurance policy. Yeah, that's what we've believed up to this point anyway. Brian? So it's, it's just interesting that uh, there's no reason to ever prosecute a Democrat. Just like with Hillary in the email, yes. there, was, there was not enough, no reasonable prosecutor, yes. even though there, there, there was multiple yeah. or plenty of evidence Sick. to prosecute her. And we're saying here that Biden is guilty, but because he's a well-meaning old man with a bad memory, then we're not going to prosecute him. Yeah. It's absurd. Two-tier system is what it's called, Dan. It's a two-tier system. Yeah. Nancy? Um, I have thought time said that the Zuckbucks, they're, they're doing different things for the 2020. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, we could spend another uh, uh, hour on all the ways they're trying to cheat in this next election. Uh, the mail-in ballot thing is still a thing, and it, it's a big cheating uh, scam. And then uh, the voter ID, they want, they want people to be able to vote without showing ID, which is an obvious cheat. I mean, only the cheaters want that. They want to and, vote. Yeah. And then they treat minorities like they're mentally retarded, and they act like, oh, those poor minorities can't get IDs. And then when they go out on the streets where there's large minority populations and ask them, they laugh about it. They're like, yeah, we have IDs. You know? They went into some of the poorest parts of New York and asked people, and they're like, yeah, I've got an ID. You know, everybody's got an ID. You know? So why are they doing it? It's not for the poor people. It's so that people can vote without being identified, and they can cheat. Yeah. doesn't have anything to do with poor people. And, Janie, you'll be my last one. Um, I heard a report, it's on uh, America's Voice, about the...
and they said that um, they talked to the Senate and stuff about um, putting more money into that. So yeah, that they're trying can, to pass a bill right now that's about $95 billion that we don't have. Yeah. And they've, you know, that's it. That people who vote for that are purposely bankrupting our country. It's, it's by design. As far as the drone things going on over there, I mean, it's daily. I mean, every day there's between Russia and Ukraine, there's something like that going on. Uh, the thing is, uh, you know, we, I, I have no problem with uh, supporting Ukraine diplomatically. Um, my problem is the money being sent over there. And a lot of people support uh, sending billions of dollars over to Israel right now. And I, I'm saying I don't believe that is right. I think our country is going bankrupt. I support Israel's war effort against Hamas. That doesn't mean we have to pay for it. And, uh, I mean, our economy is being crashed. So... There you go. All right. Let's get into our Bible study then with a word of prayer. And uh, Book of Acts chapter 13, verse 48 is where we're going to jump in if you have your Bibles open. All right. Brother Dre, would you have a Bible study prayer? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving us another opportunity to be with you. Bless you every day. Still have this freedom, this God forsaken country to attend church Amen. and to listen to your word being preached by one of the best men you could have ever ordained to do so. And we ask now that this word be a blessing upon all of us. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 So, Acts 13 48, speaking of ordained, titled Ordained to Eternal Life. Just want to look at that. If you were with us in our last study, uh, we went through the whole chapter, and I mentioned I wanted to come back and talk about this. But lack of time, we didn't do it in the last study. And we want to visit this matter of those ordained to eternal life because it's a much abused and much misunderstood phrase. And it's not just something, you know, like a on a whim that we're going to talk about here. I know people who have wasted, I mean, wasted huge amounts of their life because of this debate over this issue. And I'm not exaggerating to you. I know people who basically quit ministry and went and sat down and started reading and reading and debating and discussing, and they did it for years over this thing. And uh, then there's some people who, because they came to the wrong conclusion, decided they didn't need to preach the gospel anymore. <laughs> and we'll talk about that as we continue. So that's what's at stake here with this verse. In verse 48, read that with me. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Amen? So many Christians, as I said, have wasted untold hours wrangling over texts like this one, and we will address this with the desire to keep you from falling into that same pit. <laughs> and uh, we're going to look closely at these words, specific words used by Paul, and as many as were ordained to eternal life, believe. 
So, what's that? First of all, the word ordained. What's that mean? Well, the word itself simply means appointed. It's the same uh, word for appointed, and it used to be used a lot more often. And then as time, I think because of this debate, because this word was kind of identified with a certain view where God has chosen certain people to salvation and let the rest just go to hell. Um, it's Augustinian Calvinism, uh, predestinarians, they like to call themselves. And because of that, then this word ordained was one that kind of people kind of shied away from using because it carried with it that connection. You'll find words in our language like that. Uh, certain words that kind of, like we used to talk about being filled with the Spirit, and people get away from that because it's so abused by the charismatics and people like that. It's biblical terminology. And be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. That's Bible teaching. And the word ordained is a very good word, biblical word. So how does God settle this matter of sinners being ordained to eternal life? Well, I want to start with a very clear passage on it. Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30. And I want to tell you right off the bat, you can either just read and believe what it says, or you can argue with the text. And that's the difference between what I believe is a consistent, genuine Bible believer and others who are Christians. I'm not saying they're not saved. But a Bible believer just wants to know what does the text say, that settles it. Amen. I've said this many times over the years, so some of you heard it before, but you see these bumper stickers and it says, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. No, that's, that's take out that middle, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. God said it, that settles it, now believe it. Amen. That's the way my bumper sticker, I don't have room for another one. <laughs> but, if, but if I added one, that's what it would say. So over Romans 8, 29, 30, look at that. Read uh, both verses, just read it with me. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, then he also glorified. Amen? Amen? Now, the one argument against believing what you read there is to say, well, that doesn't, it doesn't say that's the order. Yes, it does. If you deny the order, then you can't really understand the rest of the Bible because many things set out in order, that's all the more order you get, and that's how you know it's in that order. It's just people just refuse to accept the Bible the way it's written. For whom he did foreknow. What did he foreknow? Well, first of all, he foreknew everything. And it says, whom, personal. He, God, did foreknow. So it's personal. People. It's referring to people. Whom. Whoever he foreknew, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Now, uh, I want to say this. Predestination. I've heard Christians say, I don't believe in predestination. Well, shame on you. The Bible teaches predestination. It doesn't mean it teaches it the way you may have heard it taught. 
So I don't believe the way they teach predestination. You can say that. But if you don't believe in predestination, you're not a Bible believer because the Bible teaches predestination. What's it say? For whom he did foreknow, he also did what? Predestination. So there's predestination. It's right there. It's in the Bible. It's biblical if it is taught biblically. <laughs> I mean, that sounds so obvious, but it needs to be said. Because so many people throw the baby out with the bathwater. You hear something taught wrong? I don't believe in that at all. No, you just don't believe it wrong. Go back to the Bible and believe it the way the Bible teaches it. So the Bible says, God predestinated believers to be conformed to the image of His Son. Otherwise, you have to believe that whom He did foreknow includes unbelievers. You see, common sense comes into play when you read the Bible. Uh, language is there to convey a message and you have to pay attention to the context and the intent of the statement. Obviously, he's saying that for whom he did foreknow, he's talking about Christians, believers. And those he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. But it doesn't say he predestinated them to be saved. Look what the text says. He predestinated them to be conformed to the image of his Son. Do you realize God could have foreknown you as a believer? which is obviously who it's talking about here. He didn't have to conform you to the image of His Son. He could have just taken you as you are and said, okay, when you die, you're going to be just as you are now, only I'll get rid of your arthritis and other issues, you know. The back pain, Brother Jason, amen? You know, I don't know about you, but I would have been okay with that. I'd be like, yeah, if I could live, be this, you know, uh, but not in pain, not get sick, you know, that kind of thing. I'd, I'd be good with that. But God has gone be beyond that and said that I'm going to take you that I've foreknown will be believers in my son and I am going, I have predestinated that you will not only just be saved from hell, you are going to be conformed to the image of my son. We read about it in Sunday school where right now Jesus is in his glorified state Hair white like wool, eyes like fire, feet like brass. He's in this glorified state. And you're going to be like that. You're going to have hair even whiter than my wife's. And you're going to have eyes that you've ever seen people that have those blazing blue eyes. Yeah. You this is beyond that. You're going to be in glory. You're going to share in His glory. Amen. And that's what you're predestinated to. According to this verse, it doesn't say He predestinated you to be saved. He foreknew you and has predestinated that you as a believer will be conformed to the image of His Son. Now, that question of predestination itself, though, is answered by the question, what did God foreknow? For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. In the context of this text, what did God foreknow? Well, he foreknew those that he is going to save. It doesn't say he chose and chose and foreknew them in the sense that he made you be saved. It never says that. So that's kind of a gray area at this point. Let's look over to 1 Peter chapter 1. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Peter's writing to 
Christians that have been scattered. We're reading about one of the times they were scattered back here in the book of Acts when uh, Jerusalem was uh, persecuted. And then in verse 2, referring to those believers who have been scattered, he describes them. That's what verse 2, the context is. Now read verse 2 with me. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. If you are saved today, you are the elect. The question is, how did you become one of the elect? And the, there's basically two extremes. And, and one extreme is called Calvinism. And that says that you're, God in the eternal past just chose you to be saved. You, didn't even, you weren't even in existence yet, and you're saved in the mind of God according to that. Well, that's, that's not what's the problem. The problem is, is on what basis? The basis of that election is there is no real basis. Whereas, then on the other side, the Pelagian and Armenian side of the debate would have... You to believe that God didn't have anything to do with it. You, you came to God and God saved you because you decided you want to be saved and that sort of thing. And the, the truth is in the biblical center of that debate. And that is that God foreknew and elected those who would believe on His Son. And, and predestinated that those would be the people who He would conform to the image of His Son. It's that simple. And then you, you have to turn it into something that's way more complicated and difficult. And, um, but the, a lot of times they've co-opted this word election. And so we don't use the word a lot really because of the way it's been co-opted. I'm as guilty as anybody, I admit it. But election is biblical if it's taught biblically. Just like predestination. It's, it's a biblical doctrine. The question is, is what... Does the Bible say about it? Well, it says, right, what we read, we're, if, if you're saved, you are elect according to the foreknowledge of God, whom he did foreknow. And this is where it gets a little ugly, in my opinion. This is where those, especially who call themselves Calvinists, will change the Bible. They will refuse to accept that foreknow is what God meant. And a lot of them, even when they quote it, you'll hear them change it to the word for ordained. You'll read it in their books. They'll actually change the Bible. The Bible isn't changing for them. The Bible says for no. Foreknowledge. It's not the same as God foreordaining by his own choice just to save whomsoever he will based on nothing. God has said, I will save whomsoever I will, and I have chosen to save those who believe. Amen. So the Bible says God elected believers to be saved based upon His perfect foreknowledge. And sadly, those on the Calvinist side, they reject this clear biblical teaching. And foreknowledge just simply means what it says. It is to know something before it happens. Yeah. Now, that's what our text tells us. But also, I just want to show you this, that 
the Webster's 1828 Dictionary is not infallible, but he gets his definitions from the Bible. That's why it's the best dictionary you can get. Always remember, it's not infallible. It's not the Bible. Only the Bible is the, the, Bible is the only infallible book on the planet. Amen. But if you want an English dictionary, get the 1828 Webster's. It's available free of charge on the Internet to use any time, which I do. But we also have a hard copy here and uh, encourage you to get your copy. But this is what the, it's called the American Dictionary of the English Language, but it's from 1828. Forno is defined as to have previous knowledge of, to foresee. That's what the word means. And when you hear teachers torture that word and torture the Bible to make it teach what in their minds, this is how God should have done it. When you teach Calvinism, you're not teaching what the Bible says God did. You're saying this is how we think God should have done it. They say if God is sovereign, then this is how God would do it. And God is sovereign, but He didn't do it that way. He did it the way the Bible says He did it. And if we just leave the Bible and let it speak for itself, we're going to be fine. Amen? Foreknowledge is knowledge of a thing before it happens. How many of you say, in the foreseeable future? That's really a ridiculous statement because none of us can see anything in the future. <laughs> the closest you'll ever come to it is to listen to what I'm saying right now and then run down to the basement. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll hear me say it again yeah. in the basement. <laughs> because of the time lapse. Otherwise... We don't foreseeable future. There's no foreseeable. How many of you learned that uh, you know those guys on the Weather Channels? Yeah. I mean, they get it right once in a while, but uh, don't be you know risking your life based on their forecasts. I like the ones that are honest enough to say things like you know just we're supposed to get uh, uh, snow, rain mix. Uh, I believe it's Monday night into Tuesday morning. And so here it is, Sunday morning, I turned the weather guy on, he's some guy on Channel 4, I don't know all their names, can't keep up with them. But uh, this guy, he's on there, and he's like, but let me tell you, you know, this far out, I mean, we're talking tomorrow night, this far out, we still don't really have a good idea of what kind of accumulation, but we're looking at, we're saying right now an inch, but check back with us tomorrow. Hey man, I appreciate that. I mean, he's, he's being honest. Um, but when it comes to God, he's not like the weatherman. <laughs> God has perfect knowledge, including foreknowledge. That's God. John Wesley said, quote, For, in fact, knowing and foreknowing are the same thing with God. Who knows or sees all things at once from everlasting to everlasting, end quote. And now, Wesley sometimes got off on the Armenian side of things, and we don't agree with him on them. But uh, I, I think I mentioned this in Sunday school. When he's not pushing his Armenian views, he's got some great stuff. Somebody else like that is a guy named Charles Spurgeon. And when he's not pushing his Calvinist stuff, he's got some really good stuff. We've got his book here that I would recommend, put out by, uh, actually is combined, compiled by Ray Comfort, 
<laughs> but it's called Spurgeon Gold. Just not, not a real thick book, but it's uh, Spurgeon Gold, pure and refined. And uh, just uh, taken from his writings, little almost devotional sized uh, clips in there. Some good stuff in there. I don't agree with Calvinism. Same thing with Wesley. You can get Wesley's notes online free, you know, and read those. And his uh, journal is amazingly interesting to read about his missionary trips and his personal conversion experiences and all that kind of thing. Well, one experience, but a lot of experiences leading up to it. And so uh, that's why I can quote some Calvinists, I can quote some Arminians, and people in between. And when they just let the Bible speak, good stuff. It's when they decide that I'm going to approach the Bible with my theology and make it conform. That's when you run into trouble. But when you take your theology and submit that to the Word of God and make the Word of God the authority over your theology, yeah. that's when you're on the right track. And so God knew about the events of Acts 13 where he says that those who are ordained to eternal life would believe before Genesis 1-1. Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's when it all started. He already knew. <coughs> he already knew you. Isn't that wonderful? And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And this does not negate free will. I know it's, some of you have gotten that. I want to make that clear before you go on. It does not negate free will, but it does establish God as omniscient. And that's important. Uh, why in the Garden of Eden, why did God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil there? And say, if you eat of that one tree, you need all the other trees... Do whatever you want to do with the rest of the trees. But this one right here, don't eat a bit. Why do you do that? Because God didn't re uh, uh, create and make prisoners. He didn't want them to be stuck. They, he wanted them to be with him in a love relationship. And so he had to do what? He had to give them a way out. He had to give them a choice. If you don't, if a, if you don't give a person a way out and a choice, then you've got a prisoner. That's free will. So Adam and Eve had free will. He even did that with the angels. The angels have free will. And we've talked about this before. Revelation 12 talks about a time when a third will fall that hadn't happened in the past. That's You'll learn that at seminary, but you won't learn that in the Bible. Revelation 12 is future, when a third of the angels will fall during the tribulation. They have free will. Angels have free will. Adam and Eve had free will. What the false teaching is today is that since the fall, since Adam and Eve ate of that tree, then every human being is now born they, they'll use the term spiritually dead. But then they'll define it and describe it like a physical death, like a cessation of life. And that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that you're born 
and you're alive, and you have a spirit, but you are not dead in the sense of cessation. You're dead in the, in the sense of your condition and your standing. But you still have reason capabilities. Now it's true. The Calvinists, you always hear them, they'll get some, some things that get sort of right, but then they go wrong. The Calvinists will say, well, it's impossible for you to save, be saved unless God comes to you and draws you. That's true. But then Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And uh, is it uh, Titus? I'm trying to think of the reference. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. You know what a lot of these guys will do when they read those verses? Change the Bible. They won't like sit there and, you know, they won't publish a new Bible, but they'll tell you, well, all there doesn't really mean all. I'm going to take it as it reads. All men. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 32, in the midst of dealing with the great apostasy and the, uh, the terrible sin of Sodom and it, what's it say? It says that all men are without excuse. They're all without excuse. Why? Because the creation itself bears witness of God. Your conscience tells you there's a God. Your heart tells you that there's a God. There is no... Um, Groups gathering like clubs, atheist clubs, in kindergartens. You ever notice that? They have the little brownies and the little Cub Scouts or whatever, and they have all these little clubs. There's no atheist clubs. And if there were ever one, it would be because of the parents, never because of the kids. Because kids believe in God. Atheism is something you have to be talked into or talk yourself into beyond and in spite of your conscience. And then God, giving you that witness, also has His Spirit working. And just like in Genesis 1-2, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, the Spirit of God is moving over the entire planet and convicting men of their need. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit and God's work appears to all men. All men. So we do believe you can only be saved if God comes to you and draws you. But the Bible promises that He will and He does. And on Judgment Day, that's going to be something people are confronted with at the great white throne. The fact that God drew them and they didn't respond. And I'll guarantee you, God's arm is not too short. You can be in the middle of South America or the middle of Africa or way out in the Siberian, whatever. And if you desire God and you call on Him, He's going to get to you. Amen. And there's all kinds of testimonies about how He's done that through the years. So the fact of foreknowledge is God's foreknowledge is not a matter of cause and effect. That's how it's taught by Calvinism. It doesn't say that God caused something and then He knew that it would happen. It says God's foreknowledge is simply a fact of His omniscience. Now, I might lose a couple of you for the next couple of minutes, but uh, just hang with me and try to follow this. But omniscience is the quality of knowing all things at once. 
Let that sink in. God knows. Period. Period. When? Doesn't matter. Before Genesis 1-1, God knows. Except, nope, no except. God knows, period. Omniscience. And a lot of Christians have never thought about it. I've talked to them. And when I talk to them about omniscience, they really don't want, it's almost like they don't want, oh, I don't even want to think about that. You ought to think about it. I, you know, it, it doesn't mean you have to understand it because no one really does. We don't understand. But you understand God didn't have a beginning? Explain that one. Raise your hand and stand up and explain it. No beginning? How could God have always been here? I cannot explain that. But I also know that my brain is about the size of a small melon. But in this, in this vast universe, it's not even a grain of sand. And God is bigger than the universe. His mind and understanding. You think of all the information in our universe. Where did it come from? Every last scintilla of information in the universe around you came from God's mind. So his mind is actually bigger than the universe. <laughs> Think about that. Yeah. And some of you are like, <laughs> God knows all and always has. It is impossible for an omniscient God to learn something new. Now this will revolutionize your life because a lot of times you're, I'm, I'm with you, we're all in the same boat with holes in it. And we're like, sometimes we pray even and we're asking God, it's almost like we, th we think he doesn't know what he's doing. And sometimes we're informing him of things. Isn't that nice of us? Oh God, you know, not sure if you're aware of this or not. That's how a lot of people pray. And I think God is very gracious and merciful. He looks down at us just kind of like we do when the little kids say things, you know, like, oh, isn't that sweet? Yeah. You don't get mad at your kids, your nieces, nephews, whenever a little kid walks up to you and, you know, it can get a little frustrating, you know. But why? But why? But why, you know? <laughs> why do cows eat grass that's green and then give us milk that's white? <laughs> Well, let me explain it to you, you know. And, but why? And it, they never end, run out of questions. And then they'll tell you things and you're like, you know, you have to try to explain to them that's not really true. Well, that's on a very real sense the way we are, even the most mature spiritually among us in our relationship with God the Father. Never forget, He is eons above us and beyond us. And his knowledge and understanding of things. And we can see though. He's always true and faithful. And, and so that omniscience. Fact is something that. Builds our faith and confidence in our God. And so that when we pray. He may answer in a way you don't like. But that helps you to accept that answer. Your life goes. You know you're driving this way. And uh all of a sudden, the car veers left. And you're like, wait, I didn't steer it that way. That's because 
God has done that. If you're his child, sometimes he'll take the wheel. Now, I'm not talking about the goofy country song. I mean, I think, I'm just speaking spiritually. But she probably was too. But anyway, isn't that, tell me if I'm wrong, isn't that a comfort? Omniscience. Big word. Sounds like theological terminology. But it is such a comfort when you grasp it. I have, I've told you about some of the things you want on my family. You know, when you see people getting elderly and getting end-of-life things, I don't, I don't know how people do it without the Lord. Why would they? To know it's out of my control. You can try to do whatever you want, but it's out of your control. People will ask sometimes when someone's near death, uh, how, how long do you think it'll be? That's a question I won't even try to answer. I've seen people and we thought, well, probably the next day or two, two years later, how they doing? <laughs> Still hanging on. And then people you think are going to be around for years. I'm not, I'm not a fan or anything, but I know a couple of people who are of this. Uh, Toby Keith. December. He put out a statement. You would have thought he was basically in remission and everything's great. He's gone. A few weeks later. You just don't know. He may have felt that way when he put that statement out. You just don't know. And oh, what a train wreck we're in if it weren't for the fact that we're in his hands. So the idea that God at some point in time had to decide and choose who would be saved means, if that were true, it means that before that choice was made, he didn't know who would be saved. But that would destroy omniscience. See? So we're criticized for saying, well, God just foreknew, and based on that, and that, may, that makes man sovereign, which is a false statement. What I'm saying is, God knew, period. And if you make it then at some point, He made this choice and, and foreordained that certain people would be chosen, then you're saying that God... In, at some point didn't know who would be saved. And he had to make that choice. And I'm going to leave it there. But if you think that through, that really destroys, demolishes the whole concept of the unconditional election tulip doctrine. At what point in time was God not aware of the choices he would make about who would be saved? At that time, he would not have been omniscient. And so we'll leave that there for you to think about. But look at Romans chapter 11. We're already in Romans if you didn't turn away from where we were reading. Romans 11, 33. And I just love this. Romans 11, 33 and 34. I want everybody to get there, so I want to give you a second. All right, if you're there, read verses 33 and 34 with me. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been His counsel? Don't you love that? Does your Bible have those big explanation points? Isn't that wonderful? You don't see that very often. 
all the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. It's like emphasis there, exclamation. And how unsearchable are his judgments. That's why, and his ways past finding out. That's what I'm saying. It, if you just don't try to be the mind of God, if you try not to even figure out the mind of God, you just take his word of face value. Take it as it's written. And you come away without all the confusion of the isms. And I'm telling you, if you did a little research, you got on the internet, you'll find it all over the place. The Calvinism, Arminianism, debates, and they're, they're, they've wasted how many tens of thousands of hours, I don't know, millions of hours probably combined. It's just ridiculous. There's some people who once they get on that boat, they chuck everything else and they spend all the time not trying to win the loss, but trying to convert Christians into their ism. One of the reasons that I know it's false. If it was true, you don't have to try that hard. And if it's true, it won't defray you from what the Bible says we're supposed to be majoring on. Which is what they do. So my point is simply that no one understands God. It is for us to simply read and believe the Word of God. Amen? Amen. One more place here. 1 Corinthians, just over a few pages. Chapter 2. Verses 14 through 16. We quote verse 14 a lot. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And then another one that's quoted often. Verse 15. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. And then look how it concludes in verse 16. Read that. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That's what I'm appealing to you to this morning about these things. Have the mind of Christ. What was the mind of Christ? He said, whatever the Father says, goes. And what does the Bible say? That's what the Father says. Don't go off into philosophy or vain deceit. <laughs> Beware lest any man spoil you. It doesn't say you'll lose your salvation, but it does say you can be like a spoiled child, I guess we could say, which becomes someone, a child that's spoiled is one that is unruly and you can't do anything with them. They make a mess of everything. Beware lest anyone spoil you through philosophy and vain deceits. After the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. That's the warning. The devil is in the extremes, and Calvinism, Arminianism are the extremes. I lied. I want to read one more. Revelation 22. We got time. I'm not even going over yet. <laughs> Revelation 22. We'll close reading this. Verses 12 through 17. Begins. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega. This is Jesus. The beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. And then he describes what's outside the city. For without our dogs, and that's not talking about your puppy, it's talking about uh, unsaved Gentiles. Sorcerers, and whoremongers, and murderers, and idolaters, and whosoever loveth 
and maketh a lie. Now read the next two verses with me. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Anybody listening to this message today, or at any time you hear it, if you will believe, you will be saved. The question of whether or not you're elect is only understood from our perspective as an after effect. We see the after effect. We see that we are saved. So that way we know that God foreknew us and has predestined us to be conformed to the image of His Son. The only one who knows beforehand is God. Jesus, think of Him, preached to all, calling on men to believe the gospel. <laughs> I mean, repent and believe the gospel, knowing that if the Calvinist view is right, they can only do that if He's preordained them to do so. Think of that. Repent and believe the gospel. And he, what is he looking around saying, I wonder which one, one preacher you say has an E on their back for the elect? E on the forehead. Now Jesus preached to all, called on all to believe because any of them who did would be saved. And potentially any of them could have. Amen. Amen. So leave the foolish debates to others and continue preaching Christ crucified and risen again. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time in your word. And we thank you for the plain, simple truth of Scripture. Help us not to be pulled into the pits of the isms, to be pulled into things that will uh, cause us to have uh, discord among brethren and divisions needlessly. Uh, doubtful disputations the way the Bible talks about these things. Help us to simply believe what the Bible says and obey. Obey your word to preach the gospel to every living creature until the time that you take us out of here and take us home. In Jesus' name and for your glory, amen. 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 Let's sing page 500 about the chosen ones gathering. With the right perspective and understanding, it's a wonderful song. Stand if you can.
Doug's even looking at me. That's a, a lot of times they kind of flap my arms for no reason. <laughs> All right, raise your hand. Janie's going to collect those prayer cards, and we remind the onlineers to get your send to bbfohio at protonmail.com. And uh, we see. Uh, Uh, Jenny Ball checking in. Um, they may not be may not be able to get the live stream, so they'll have to check in later. But uh, see Brother Pedro checking in, and uh, I think that's about it on the me we side of things. All right, so let's say goodbye to the onliners on three. Dre, would you get the uh, thing for me there? On three. One, two, three. See you here, there, or in the air.